to the One in One Podcast, where below average podcaster chats with an above average athlete. I'm your host, Bridget B. My guest today is Katie Whiteley Connors, a former lacrosse player for the University of Virginia from 2006 to 2010 who scored three goals in UVA's inspiring 2010 NCAA tournament first round win, and now is a key member of One Love, a foundation made in memory of her great friend and teammate, Yardley Love. Katie, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Bridget. Absolutely. I have to start off by saying, you and your husband recently moved to Charleston, South Carolina, and as someone who is obsessed with Bravo's show, southern charm i'm so jealous that's so funny you say that we've been like binge watching it the past week or so i think my my husband's kind of getting over it but we're on (laughs) season four right now so oh so good oh my god i could go on so during quarantine i really wasn't a bravo watcher before but during quarantine i've literally killed vanderpump rules summer house and southern charm i'm all caught up i love it yeah those are some good ones easy watching that's what oh we my need. God. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And I'm sure you've been to some places that you see in the show. Yeah, we have actually um, Patricia's house that they always show. <laughs> it's like <laughs> a 10 minute walk from us. So oh my God, I Patricia. snapped a couple of pictures the other day and sent it to my friends. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Did you see Michael the butler when you were walking past? I did not. I didn't see anyone, but you know, I need to do a few more drive-bys. <laughs> I'm determined to spot one of them these days. <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Now, have, has Chelsea gotten on the show yet? Chelsea, uh, no. Wait. Okay. Is that Cameron's friend? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. And I think she just came on the show. Oh, okay. I love her. She was also on the show Survivor several years ago when she was great on that, too. Oh, really? That's so yeah. funny. And Cameron was on The Real World or something? Oh, my God. I didn't even know that. Wow. Yeah, I think so. Oh, so. Reality oh my stars. gosh. I'm so jealous of you. You're on season four. It just gets so good. Four, five, six. Ah, jealous. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's been like a guilty pleasure every night. And it, it's like so hard because it keeps asking you one more, one more. And obviously I keep clicking that. So. Absolutely. How can you not? <laughs> right. No, uh, so good. Uh, keep watching. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> when quarantine ends I'm definitely getting to Charleston I've been to Savannah which is like kind of close but Charleston is just a whole different beast I can't wait to get there yeah yeah it's great good restaurants um just nice nicer weather you know good culture so it's a fun city it's actually like there's a lot of people from, so we were living in New York before in New York City, and there's a lot of people from New York that have recently kind of transplanted down here. So it it does sort of have like a bit of a New York vibe in a way, just maybe with like the restaurants and sort of the culture and the art scene, so, which is nice to still have that. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. That's interesting. I wouldn't have thought that. Like I, I would feel yeah. like New York and Charleston were totally different. Yeah, there's a lot of um, like restaurant owners that have come from New York or chefs that have come from New York and sort of relocated here. Probably just better way of living here, but um, yeah. Well, I love Southern food. My mom's from the South, so I'm so jealous of you. Probably getting the best shrimp and grits. Yes, a lot of we like eat out way too much or (laughs) order out way too much because I would too if I lived there. I don't blame you. 
anyway, so this podcast is not about Charleston, so let's get into it. You grew up in Phoenix, Maryland, which is about a half hour outside Baltimore. Is that right? Yeah. So within um, Baltimore County, like a half hour from the city, um, sort of like near Towson, Hunt Valley, that kind of area. Nice, nice. So I know you have a younger sister, Julie. You also have an older brother. Yep, I have an older brother. Uh, my older brother, Timmy, he lives in um, Rye, New York. And then my sister, Julie, she lives in Hawaii. So, Ooh, lucky her. I know. She lives on Maui. Um, so unfortunately, I haven't gotten to see her in like a year almost now, yeah. uh, which is crazy. But yeah. um, And then another sister, Hannah, um, and she lives in Annapolis. Oh, okay. So where yeah. does Hannah fit in the equation? What what's like She's the youngest? Oh okay. Oh okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so my brother's my half brother. He is 15 years older than me. And then it's me and then my two younger sisters. Nice, nice. Now I know Timmy played lacrosse at UVA. Did Julie or Hannah also go on to play lacrosse in college? Yeah, so Timmy played at UVA. Um Julie did not play in college. She went to Tulane. Um and then my sister Hannah played some at Hofstra, and then she transferred to Salisbury. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I have a cousin that went to Tulane. It sounds like a, a great place to go to school. Yeah. I mean, a crazy place to go to school. Like, I don't know how people survive going right? there, but it was a fun <laughs> place to visit for sure. Oh, I bet. Yeah, you have the best places to visit. You got to visit Julie and Tulane, and now it's a great excuse to go to Hawaii. Yeah, exactly. I know. <laughs> she's done. She's picked some good places for me. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. So Maryland is a hot spot for lacrosse. How did you get into it? Were you just born with a stick in the in your hand? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so my dad, um, he played lacrosse at Dartmouth. My mom also played lacrosse at Maryland. Um, so, and then my dad was the head coach at St. Paul's um, in Baltimore. He was the head coach of the men's team for like, 10 years. He also coached, um, professionally for the Boston Cannons. And then he, um, coached me on the St. Paul's girls team. So he was, um, sort of instrumental in my lacrosse career. And, um, lucky for me, I actually enjoyed it. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I probably started and, you know, growing up with an older brother who's 15 years older than me. And I like always thought he was so cool. Um, (laughs) So pretty much started playing when I was like four or five, I guess. Uh, And yeah, it was, I haven't, I actually haven't played in a few years, but which is like, feels weird. I'm like, I can't (laughs) believe I've been out of college for like over 10 years now. Right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so it started when I was four and um, my dad was my coach then and then he coached me again in high school um, and then went on to UVA. That's awesome. Yeah, we're definitely going to get into your dad being your high school coach because I think that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, but- it was. It's good <laughs> and bad. <laughs> yeah, right. Good and bad. No, I, I. it sounds like it's a family sport and I can relate to having an older brother where you think he's just like, so cool because in my family it was basketball i had two brothers that were eight and ten years older than me and they were basketball players so when i was growing up i went to all their games i started dribbling when i was like three so i totally understand yeah 
Um, yeah, that's funny. Pretty much exactly the same, trying to emulate your older brother. <laughs> mm-hmm, for sure. When you when you were at UVA, you were mostly an attacker. Did you play that your whole life? Um, I played midfield mostly, but I mean, I was never much of a defender. <laughs> um, so yeah, when I went, I always leaned more on the attack side. Actually, I think my senior year in high school, I almost strictly played attack, um, but yeah, always either midfield or attack, but more on the attacking midfield okay. side. You have the right idea. Just play offense. You don't need to play defense. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I was never the best defender. But no, it sounds like you were always in shape because obviously midfield is running the whole game. Yeah. Um, yes, I, I guess I was mostly from playing sports, though. I hated and I still do like just going for a run um, or working out. Um, but yeah, I did enjoy, enjoy playing midfield. Yeah. It's so much better running when you're playing a sport. I totally agree. Yeah, totally. (laughs) (laughs) Now, did you play any other sports growing up or was it just lacrosse? I did, you know, so actually until I was like in sixth or seventh grade, like I wanted to be Mia Hamm. Uh, I love soccer. Uh, I went to their camp Um, I had this like UNC shirt that I wore all the time. I had all these holes in it. UNC women's soccer uh, (laughs) shirt that like said every year that they made the championship. And then one year was like, oops, (laughs) I still (laughs) remember that um, shirt. But then I guess once you kind of get to like sixth, seventh grade is when the travel soccer kind of gets crazy and takes off. And that's when I really started focusing more on lacrosse um, but I also loved field hockey Um, that was another sport and then I played played basketball for one year eighth grade was not very good Uh, but it was good for you know your footwork and a fun sport to play and then in high school I also played squash squash oh you had a squash team we did have a squash team yeah Um, And we would like, I remember being in 11th grade and we'd play like the eighth and ninth grade, like boys teams because there weren't (laughs) enough girls teams. Um, But yeah, it was fun and it's a great workout and I still kind of play a little bit when I can to this day. Wow, absolutely. That's so funny. It just like shows you what different areas of the country have because I'm from Jersey and I hadn't heard of squash until I got to college. So that's oh, really the squash team. Yeah, my high school now, St. Paul's, actually has um, squash courts now. Wow. So, I, yeah. <laughs> You're right. It's a fun sport and it's a great workout. Yeah, great workout. And it's so like such a good sport for that can be applied to so many others, like with the footwork and. Um, just keeping in shape, like in the winter time, really enjoyed playing that in high school. Yeah, you're right. It is a great winter sport, right? Because you don't need to be outside. It's just an indoor thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's so funny that you liked UNC soccer because we'll get into it when we talk about your lacrosse career at UVA. But UNC was a rival for you. Yeah, they were. Um, <laughs> yeah, one of our bigger rivals. I think I was more just like obsessed with Mia Hamm and thought she was like the coolest person ever. I mean, Uh, you're right with that. She is pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, 
but yeah. So you've mentioned St. Paul's. That's where you go to high school, St. Paul's School for Girls. It's in Brooklynville, Maryland. So yeah. now this is a school that goes from fifth grade through 12th grade. So mm -hmm. did you attend before the ninth grade? Yeah, so I went there in fifth grade, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, yep. So started in fifth grade uh, through 12th, which I went to a public school before that, um, and I, which went through fifth grade, and I was so mad at my parents for making me leave awesome. to, <laughs> to go to school in fifth grade and not start in sixth grade. But, I mean, looking back, obviously, it was the right decision, just, you know, one of those things that as a kid you despise your parents for at the time. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. It is a great school. That's so funny, though, like fifth grade through 12th grade, that's so long in one school. Yeah, which is crazy, but it's also, I'm so lucky because like most of my best friends today have like such a great friend group um, that I've known since either fifth grade or sixth grade. Uh, it all went to St. Paul's and we talk just about every day. So it's, it's um, sort of unique, I guess. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> now, you, you mentioned you played squash. You also have an outstanding four-year lacrosse career. How was the team during your four years at St. Paul's? Yeah. So um, we were – we won – the championship my senior year and that was the year that my dad was the coach before that he was the men's coach and so he won um the championship with the men's um I guess that was my junior year and then came over to coach the women's as like sort of a new challenge and then <laughs> uh we won that year my senior year so I think he's the only coach like in the MIAA um, the Baltimore sort of private school to win both in women's and men's and then also did it back to back, which was pretty cool. So, wow. um, but yeah, it was, and my sister was on my sister, Julie, she was the goalie on the team, um, my senior year when he was our coach. And so a lot of good memories there. Um, yeah, we were, I think we were like number I don't know if we were number one, number two, or up there in the country. So wow, pretty good. Yeah, that's amazing. But let's take it back a little bit to when your dad tells you and Julie that he is going to be the head coach your senior year. What was going through your mind? I think at first I sort of thought it was like a joke. Like, <laughs> I, I don't think we had a ton of discussion about it before. <laughs> Maybe kind of like you know, top line or like, what if, but, and then all of a sudden it just was happening. So <laughs> um, it was definitely interesting at first. And I think I sort of like, I wanted to make sure that, um, he didn't treat me differently or that like my friends didn't have to act differently around me, I guess. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I think in the beginning it, it took us some time to settle in. <laughs> I just yeah, say, no, I can imagine. And kind of going off that, was there weirdness in the locker room? Um, I think uh, so. My dad, he's he's like made one of those people that's made to be a coach, and he's very like he has such a good perspective. Like he can see so many different. Uh, sides of things and sort of can relate to so many different people. So in that way, 
I felt like comfortable that people that my friends in the locker room would feel confident that he was kind of doing what was in their best interest. Like he, he never really has a secret a hidden agenda. Like he's upfront with people, he's honest. Um, and he's very much like a player's coach. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think like if any, if there was any sort of, um, uh, like uncomfortable moments. It was more just like personal between me and my dad versus, (laughs) you know, something that, uh, happened or he did. Like, I don't remember any, any real scenarios that were like uncomfortable for me. Um, like there was a time, for instance, I like locked my sister's goalie equipment in the car so that (laughs) like (laughs) before big, uh, game. So that caused, you know, a little bit of a fight between the two of us, but there was never, <laughs> never um, really any awkwardness within the locker room, which, which was good. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good to hear because it's a little bit awkward because you obviously go on to play Division One lacrosse, so you're one of the better players, if not the best player on the team. So obviously, a lot of the pr- plays are run through you. Yeah, yeah, and. So I think what was good about that is I was the year before too, and he wasn't the coach. Mm-hmm. So if if it weren't that, that way, it might have been a little bit different. Um, but and yeah, a lot. I guess sometimes I, he. I think he was hard, harder on me in practice certain times to make sure that people knew, like you know he wasn't playing any favorites and there was, there were instances where I didn't play a game because I got in trouble for missing like a curfew or something. So he didn't, (laughs) (laughs) he, um, he didn't play any favorites. If anything, I would say he was harder on me, which I think other people noticed and respected. And then, um, it made it easier for me too. Okay, okay. That's pretty funny with the curfew because it's obviously a family set curfew, not a team set curfew. Exactly. So the only reason he knew was because, you know. Yeah. You you kind of got screwed in a sense. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Uh, But I deserved it. It was a game, a team coming in from Denver that I wasn't taking too seriously, I guess. And showed up later than I should have. So he was was right to... Uh not play me. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So after you graduate in 2006, did he continue to coach Julie? Cause she was a little bit younger than you. Um, he did for a year and then he sort of retired, took a break from coaching. He spent more time, you know, coming down to UVA and coming to my games. Um, and yeah, then he, he took a, a probably he's back sort of coaching now, but more as like an advisor, uh, like assistant sort of role versus the head coach. Okay. Uh, so he What's took a little bit of a break and now is back. Oh, Can't good for him. up just yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you mentioned you won a championship the year he coached you. So that must be such fond memories for you, your father and your younger sister. Yeah, it was um, definitely like very unique and something that we'll always remember. Um, and I mean, the whole season, like it was just 
you know, one of the best, one of my like greatest, um, sort of athletic memories was that season, just not only because we were so good, but it was also like, you know, all my best friends were on the team, um, and having my dad coach and, um, then at the end, you know, getting the reward with winning the championship. So it was, it was a fun time. That's awesome. Yeah, you yeah. guys were obviously one of the better teams, probably in the country, if you were facing teams from Denver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we were, like, number one or number two in the country. Oh, that's crazy. Steven, St. Agnes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we had a lot of good – there was a ton of good players on our team that year that went on to play um, Division One. It's awesome. Now, did you play McDonough when you were in school? We did play McDonough. So McDonough um, was not the, it was Mount Hebron was the powerhouse, mm. uh, not McDonough. They weren't, I think actually the Mount Hebron coach went to McDonough. Uh, could be wrong on that, but um, McDonough wasn't quite the powerhouse that they are now. Okay. Yeah, they're really good now. I actually had Brittany Mallory on the podcast a couple months ago, and she was right. a great lacrosse and basketball player yeah. at McDonough. Right. Yeah, I think she was a couple years younger than me. Yeah, maybe. yeah, she was. She went to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, played basketball there, and then actually her redshirt senior year suited up for the cross team after the basketball season was over. Oh, crazy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome, though. For sure. Now, can you talk a bit about your recruiting process? Yeah, so... Obviously, UVA, you know, my brother went there and he was a pretty good player there. Um, so I had kind of grown up going there. I always knew it was a school I thought I wanted to go to. And I went to their camp, like, I think from seventh grade, maybe sixth grade on. So I knew Julie Myers, the head coach, pretty well. Um, so that, I would say that was pretty much at the top of my list. And then I had a few other schools, like I did an unofficial visit at Stanford, um, a Northwestern, and then Hopkins. That Those were sort of the schools I was looking at. Um, but I always knew, you know, if UVA was going to give me the scholarship, that's where I was going to go. Um, and so I was fortunate to get the call from Julie Myers and sign with them and then the rest is sort of history. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's a great choice, right? Because your family is pretty close by. Your brother went there. You're familiar with the school. And also, it's one of, if not the best public school in the country. Yeah, exactly. So sort of, you know, for all those reasons. And it's still, so it was a, it's a good school, but it's also still, like, a fun school, right? Mm -hmm. Like, get um, the full college experience, which was what I was, looking for like we had a fo good football or decent football team decent <laughs> um decent basketball team obviously really good academics so it's such a well-rounded school like I didn't want to just choose a school solely because of their la lacrosse program mm -hmm. uh, so that was sort of why and you know just being so familiar with it obviously helps too um that's kind of what led me to UVA. Yeah, that's smart on your part. You obviously want to play lacrosse, but you want the full college experience. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
So, and I felt like at some of the other places I visited, actually, I visited Northwestern, like, Ooh. the middle of January, which was Ooh. really a horrible decision. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God, it's negative 20. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, that's all I really remember from it. Um, but, yeah, I think wait, more so than um, a lot of the other schools I looked at, I thought UVA was just had it all. Um, and really something for everyone. And I knew a lot of people that were going there as well that were kind of similar to me or I thought I would get along with. So that's part of the decision as well. For sure. Now, how upset are you that now the basketball team is one of the best in the country? When you you went there, they were just like, okay. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, when my brother went there, they were really good as well. Um, And they, they had, I think maybe like my senior year, junior year, at UVA, they started getting pretty good. Like they had a few upsets of Duke. Um, so I remember going to a few games that were fun. I mean, not on the level that they are now, but um, I was lucky at two years ago, was it? Or three years ago when UVA had that like amazing run and won the championship. Um, I actually went to the final four weekend oh my with God. a bunch of wow. people from UVA, which was really fun. So, you know. I can't oh, really complain so too much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's such a fun weekend. I've been to a women's final four. I'm dying to go to a men's final four. Oh, I can't imagine how fun yeah. that weekend was. I know. Hopefully those days aren't too far away from us. Um, yeah. Oh, that is true. <laughs> Not in but, 2021, but hopefully 2022. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a really fun weekend. So. Oh, I bet. A great weekend after the year before when you guys lost to the 16 seed. Sorry, I had to throw the in I know. And being from Baltimore, you know, we, we would always say, like, UMBC stood for you made a bad choice. Uh, <laughs> and then, you know, UVA loses to them, of course. So uh, um, kind of a double whammy. But uh, it made winning the next year you know, much sweeter, I guess. Yes, absolutely. Even better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So you get to UVA in the summer of 2006, and UVA is in the ACC, and this is the old ACC where Maryland is in it. So it's the best lacrosse conference in the country. Now it's still the best conference in the country, right, because you've added Notre Dame and Syracuse. Right. How was that transition from going from high school to now Division I lacrosse? Yeah. Um, well, you know, going to St. Paul's, I was fortunate because it was such a competitive program. Um, so I felt pretty, pretty well prepared. Um, but it is one of those things where it's like you're used to being, you know, the best player on the field. And then you kind of show up your first few days um, and it's like, OK, everyone is just as fast as me or I'm like the middle of the pack in sprints now right or before I was always you know the first so I think that's just sort of and I I think that's sort of common with a lot of freshmen it's kind of like a reality check like oh these people are you know really good like I can't you can't have like those off days Mm -hmm. um so that was sort of an adjustment and of course it's like you know, you're trying to make friends, too, and, like, figure out the dynamics of the team and, you know, the politics and how everything works. Or So I think that was kind of, like, the biggest adjustment um, at first. But I was 
super fortunate that, um, you know, right away, Caitlin Duff, um, Caitlin Brancaccio now, um, and Yardley Love and I were like, we hit it off like from the first week of school. We're like best friends. Um, you know, everyone started like calling us the entourage. So I think that that made our, and we were in all the same classes. Um, and then, you know, all lived in the same dorm. So it just made the transition so much easier. So I was so fortunate to have them. Um, yeah. Oh, that's great. Now, what yeah. was your major at UVA? My major was history and then I minored in Spanish. Oh, wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, Very it was they have a great history, a great history program. UVA has sort of different majors, like they don't have your standard communications or media or marketing. Um, so and my dad actually is a history teacher as well. So kind of went that route. <laughs> um, and then I always knew I wanted to go study abroad like in the summer. So um, Spanish was kind of the second thing I picked. <laughs> yeah, th this is so interesting to me that you were able to study abroad. Obviously, any college student can do that, right? But you're a Division One athlete. It's a little bit harder because you have so much on your schedule. Yeah, so we did in the summer. So we did oh. like modified. Um, it was probably like six weeks. So a lot of the lacrosse, actually my brother had done the same program. Uh, when he was there and a lot of the men's and women's lacrosse players before us had sort of done the same thing. Uh, but it's a really great program. I think they still have it to this day in Valencia, Spain. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Can you talk about your experience. That must have been so cool. Yeah, it was. There was so there was four of us from our team that did it. Um, and we lived, you know, with a madre in Valencia <laughs> that doesn't speak any English. Um, Caitlin Duff was my roommate um and when we first got there like our first week spain won the euro cup so it was like insane like I, we were all just like shell-shocked that this is how people lived like everyone was in the streets till like 5 a.m like everyone had the spanish flag painted on them or it was crazy but like such a cool eye-opening um experience and we got to travel around every weekend um, we went to Ibiza and wow. to Barcelona San Sebastian um where else did we go just a lot of like really fun good memories um and a lot of like so I recently started a travel business um about a year ago or eight months nine months ago and that was like a huge catalyst, I think, of sort of my passion for travel and just immersing and learning about other cultures and different ways of living. So really cool experience. And I always, you know, recommend to anyone that I can to study abroad if if possible. I think it's just such a such a good life experience um, and a way to sort of broaden your perspective on the world. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. My one regret in college is that I didn't study abroad, but when I was in college, that was like when Amanda Knox was on trial, so I was oh, very yeah. scared to do it. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. Um, <laughs> I would be as well. 
uh, yeah, I think that was after me. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm a few years younger, but yeah, no, I, I don't think my parents would have let me either, but now they definitely would have, well, maybe yeah. not COVID, but you know, before that. <laughs> yeah. <-COVID. laughs> now, what year did you study abroad? That was my sophomore year going into junior. So 2008. Okay. Very yeah. cool. Yeah, it was, it was really cool. Um, definitely like we did the, actually did the running with the bulls in Pamplona and we like took this overnight bus from Valencia that was like 16 hours or something. I don't know. And we got there like 6am where it was me, Caitlin and Yardley, um, wearing like our white dresses in <laughs> Pamplona, like so stuck out like a sore thumb, like <laughs> looking back, I'm like, why? And like, how did we do that? I, I don't know, but, um, definitely a really cool, uh, memorable experience. Yeah. Sure. Sounds it. I hope you didn't tell coach Julie Myers that you did that. I, uh, you know, I don't know that we did. <laughs> I think she was probably smart enough not to ask too much. Not to ask, yeah. What yeah. she doesn't know won't hurt her. Right, exactly. <laughs> We're lucky that there wasn't like a ton of social media back then either. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I feel like it was only Facebook. There was no Instagram. Yeah, it was only and... Facebook. And... <laughs> that's funny. <Yeah. laughs> so let's go back a little bit. Your freshman year at UVA is spring 2007 for the team. It's a really good year for you guys. You go 19-4. and four. Now, tell me this. Were you able to play right away? No, so I didn't really play too much my freshman year, um, which was definitely a tough adjustment. Um, I Not many of us freshmen played. Caitlin did. Caitlin played a lot. Um, but it was definitely, I mean, it was still cool to be a part of it, and because we did make it to the championship that year. Um, so overall, it was kind of like a good learning year, a good way to kind of settle in and get kind of readjusted to college, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what a freshman year, whether you were playing or not. You win the ACC championships and you get to the Final Four. Can you yeah. talk about that experience of getting to the Final Four? Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, uh, I sort of, uh, like, being – you know, first year, I was like, oh, this happens every year. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not that big of a deal. Um, obviously, I came to realize, like, how hard it was to make it there. Um, so I, I think, like, and it was at Penn um, that the Final Four was, I think. So I don't know if I fully, like, appreciated it when I was in the moment. Um but I definitely learned a lot, especially from the upperclassmen um, and seeing how they handled it and just how big of a deal it was to make it there and how hard everyone had worked um, and the injuries that they'd fought through. So really cool experience. I think then the next year we lost like in the first round and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> this way. Um, so was fortunate to have that so early in my career. Yeah, it's really hard to make a Final Four. The fact that you were able to make one is outstanding. Obviously, a lot of people go their whole career without ever making one. Yeah, definitely. 
you were able to beat ACC foe Duke in the semifinal. Unfortunately, you fall to Northwestern in the national championship, but still a really great season you guys should be proud of. Yeah, it was an awesome season. And I think we were like, we were losing to Northwestern in that game by like eight goals or something and came back. And I think we lost by one or two. So, yeah, um, this good game and good season, obviously, to be a part of. For sure. Yeah. Always making a comeback is outstanding. Yeah. <laughs> now, your sophomore year in 2008, UVA is great again. You go 14 and four win the ACC tournament again, which, I mean, I can't stress that how hard that is, right? You're facing Duke, Maryland, UNC. Yeah. It's a tough conference to win. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think we had won three in a row, three ACC championships in a row at that point. And um, I think we were heavily favored going into the tournament and then sort of got upset um, in the first round, or maybe it was the second round. Um, but either way, I lost pretty early, and it was kind of like disbelief that the season was over so early. Um, so that was sort of a bummer. But Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. You know, yeah. what's interesting to me is I, I, I feel like you guys probably got a bye and then played UNC in the second round, which is yeah, an ACC foe. So it's just weird that you guys play a conference opponent so quickly. They obviously know you well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I feel like UNC was sort of our Achilles heel out of seasons. I don't know why, but um, we always had a tough time with UNC. Yeah. Now, would you say they were your biggest rival in the ACC? Um, I don't. Everyone in the ACC, and just the nature of how small it was and how similar. Like we were so similar to. Uh, UVA and UNC are just attract a very similar type of person, I guess. And our mm -hmm. teams were similar. We knew there were so many people from Baltimore, um, so we knew each other well. So they were a big rival. I mean, Duke was still a big rival, too, and Maryland. Maryland, we mm -hmm. just, like, did not like, I would say. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they were all kind of, like, dependent on the year, but they were all big rivals of ours. It's got to be weird for you now in 2021 or 2020, whatever, to, you know, turn on your TV, there's a Maryland lacrosse game on, and they're in the Big Ten. Yeah, it is weird. I know. Maryland, to me, was always so ingrained in the ACC, um, and now for them to be in the Big Ten is definitely sort of strange. But um, I guess it's been a few years now. But when it first happened, it just it felt like so wrong. I don't know. Didn't. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. There was one year where Maryland was still in the ACC, but then Notre Dame and Syracuse joined the conference, and it was a year, I guess, Maryland was joining the Big Ten the next year. But, I mean, that was just like a ridiculous lacrosse conference. Yeah, and, you know, we always played those teams sort of regardless. Mm -hmm. um, but definitely, like, for lacrosse, like, an insane – like, those are all, like, the big powerhouses. So, pretty insane conference there. Your junior year in 2009, UVA is still good, just not as good as you've been accustomed to. You yeah. guys go 11-8. and eight. You still make the NCAA tournament, which, fun fact, you never miss an NCAA tournament. You literally get there – 
all four years, which is very impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah, never missed the ACC or the uh, NCAA tournament. Uh, but yeah, I, I we we had so much talent that year. I think it was just like an off year, like didn't click like it should have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, everyone sort of has is on a team like that where every like you have so many star players and everyone individually may be very good, but just sometimes doesn't always mesh on the field. Yeah, yeah, I can see that happening. One of those years, um, unfortunately. Yeah. No, I, I just have to say real quick for anyone that doesn't know, the NCAA lacrosse tournament, not many teams make it. I mean, there's a lot of teams that make it for the NCAA basketball tournament, right? But, I mean, there's so few that make it for lacrosse. That the fact that you got there all four years is really outstanding. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think like at UVA it was almost sort of like expected, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, but like now, of course, like when you say it and looking back, like it was you know pretty incredible to be a part of all those teams and be in the tournament and be competitive every year. I hesitate to say this. I hope you know what I mean, but your senior year in 2010 is a really good year for you on the lacrosse field, right? You're now in the starting lineup and you have a career year. You score 31 goals and you have 21 assists. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that year was like finally the year that like I had a consistent um, starting position. So definitely like my best year career wise. Uh, yeah, and it was just, it's fun to kind of be a senior and be a leader. Um, so it was a fun year uh, career-wise for sure. Yeah, yeah, and why I said I hesitated was obviously it's a very terrible year for the UVA lacrosse team, right? Your roommate and your teammate, Yardley Love, was killed in May of 2010. It was a national story but, I mean, you and I both agree we don't want to get into the details of it. I know we want to keep it positive. And you knew her from a pretty young age, didn't you? Yeah. So, um, Yard- Yardley was also from Baltimore. She went to NDP, um, which is a rival high school of St. Paul's where I went. Um, and then we did play club, lac- club lacrosse together um, for a bit. So we knew each other pretty well and we had like the same friend group. And then um, my freshman year, like from that summer, we just like became best friends and Aww. were pretty much inseparable. Uh, her, Caitlin Duff and I. Um, so yeah, it, and we were roommates. We weren't roommates my freshman year, but we were roommates sophomore, junior and senior year. Um, so roommates for three years, best friends went to Spain together, like I mentioned before. Mm -hmm. Uh, so obviously, you know, the horrible on so many levels and, um, like a terrible thing to happen and to happen so close to our graduation, um, after so many great years together um and i think i first met yards like seventh or eighth grade uh so 
but I've known her for a pretty long time. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. You know, I, I obviously appreciate you going into that. I know this has to be tough, but from all accounts that I've read, Yardley Love seems like an outstanding person. Can you talk a bit about that person that she was? Yeah, she really was. I mean, uh, like everyone loved her. Um, she she was just she was secretly very funny and her mom is this way too like I remember her mom um showing up on camp campus like our first year and she had this bright orange wig on it was like pulled down her window and was honking at us like Yardley Katie uh, just like things like that like so out of the blue that you don't expect and they both like seemed very reserved and quiet, but have really, like, once you get to know them, this funny um, kind of big personality, um, both always, like, so positive. Like, Yardley, like, had this huge smile. I mean, you've seen pictures, like, huge Mm -hmm. smile, big, bright blue eyes, like, really would light up a room. Um, And she was just, like, someone that you wanted to always be around. So we had so many, like, great memories that – college together um and always laughing so yeah she uh, and she like definitely had big things ahead of her which is you know what makes it also like so tough um but it's amazing to see like and really it's driven by her mom like that similar positive spirit like how she's taken such a horrible tragic thing and made it so positive and been able to, um, you know, positively impact the lives of, I think it's like millions of people now, um, through the One Love Foundation. Yeah, for sure. I mean, mm-hmm. Yarley seemed like a beautiful person on the inside and out. I mean, you basically just confirmed that. Yeah. Like I said, it was a national story, right? It happened in May. Not that when it happens, it makes it any less tragic, but both the UVA men's and women's teams were gearing towards the NCAA tournament. And there was talk about both the men's and women's teams canceling the remainder of the season. Mm -hmm. No one would have blamed you guys if you decided to stop playing. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about that decision to keep playing? Yeah. Um, So honestly, it was like so much of a blur, like this thing happens that you can't believe that like it never in a million years would you ever imagine something like this happen. And you, you feel like the world should be like so drastically impacted. Right. But, mm-hmm. um, in many ways, like it goes on and you kind of have to figure out like, okay, how do we kind of cope or, regroup and like what how do we get through this together um and I think that's sort of what we did like we came together as a team and uh thought about like you know do we will is it best for us not to play is it best for us to play like how do we best honor Yardley how do we how do we just like because at that point, you're really just trying to like get through day by day, you know, yeah. uh, minute by minute. And that was sort of the best kind of way for us to heal. And I think, um, you know, for her family to heal and a way to sort of bring everyone together and 
get us behind one common goal. And we knew there wasn't much time that we had together left. So um, to try to make the most of it is kind of where we where we ended up and what our um, what led us to that decision. And I'm sure Yardley would have wanted you to play, correct? Yeah, I always thought so. Um, and yeah, like it's crazy. She hated like when all the attention was on her, um, which I know so like sounds crazy, but like for us to you know cancel because of her in a way, like she wouldn't have wanted either. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we just tried to come together and play for her um, and to honor her and also like heal together. Um, and I think like that first game, it was certainly that like we, our emotions were high and we could feel everyone sort of behind us. Um, and then I think after that we were just like emotionally depleted sort of mm-hmm. and had to go to UNC and that was a tough game. Um, so, and then the season ended there, but, um, yeah, I think it was at that Towson game, just, you know, all the Towson players, um, and then the people in the stands and just the feeling of like having so many people behind you, um, was a huge, really helped us heal, um, at least for the time being. And, um, Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, the healing was more important than the win that day. Yeah, definitely. I think just getting out there, getting out there together, like sort of being able to separate what was everything that was going on off the field and those emotions and like how crazy and horrible of a situation we were all in um, and having kind of that reprieve was really important uh, for us at the time. Absolutely. And that game was on TV, right? All eyes were on the Virginia lacrosse program and everyone had so much respect for you. And honestly, I feel like everyone was rooting for you unless they had some sort of interest in another team. (laughs) I mean, I personally at that point in 2010 didn't know all that much about lacrosse, but obviously knew the story. I had that game on and I was pulling for you guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we could feel that like at times it felt like almost the Towson players like wanted us to win, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, they were super classy too. Yeah, they were. Um, so yeah, it was nice to like have that support and, um, have all of our friends and family behind us and just to be together as a team on the field. Um, in at UVA too, which we all knew as seniors was going to be, you know, our last home game there. Um, Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. You guys came out in shirts that said one team, one heart, one love. The men's team came and supported you. Yardley's mother and sister were in attendance, which I had to imagine gave you guys just so much strength to continue in the game. Right. Yeah. And I think honestly, like through everything, uh, Sharon and Lexi, like were always such 
a their strength is just like amazing. I don't know how they do it. And I think like Keelan and I being so close to Yardley, um, just always looked to them and like seeing that they're strong and they're getting through it. It's like, okay, well, we know we can get through it too. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was definitely nice to have them there and, um, yeah, it's very like surreal, but yeah. Yeah. I can't even imagine those emotions. Virginia wins 14 to 12. You personally score three goals that day. I think one was the go-ahead goal. It's one of the great stories in sports. And I personally think there should be a documentary on that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole game was sort of like an out-of-body experience in a way. Like, uh, um, hard, hard to sort of explain. Um, like, you're there, but you're not really there, I guess. Uh, but we, I think everyone kind of felt that like sort of this emotional high because we had the strength of Yardley and Lexi behind us and so many people um, that we were like really gritting it out for them, I think. Um, and that's how I, I remember feeling like, I certainly don't think I had a very good game. I had a okay game. I remember just feeling like, I gritted it out um, and kind of was riding on those high emotions of feeling the support of like my best friends from high school came down and uh, my family and Yardley's family. So, yeah, yeah, that's great. I, I, just the fact that you guys suited up that day is a win in itself. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I mean, it's like almost hard to go back there, but it was definitely, tough but uh, I think it was an important part of our healing process for sure absolutely I'm personally not one that's particularly religious but I do believe in people looking down on you and I do think Yardley was looking down on you guys that day and so proud of you yeah yeah I think so too I mean I think there's a lot of times when I can sort of feel her um, looking down on us. And I think that was certainly one of the days for sure. Obviously I'm sure she wishes she were there and we wish that she were there, uh, but we could, we could feel her presence. And I don't know if you've ever been to um, the field at UVA, but it's sort of like up on a hill and Mm -hmm. in this open space. So it, it kind of lends itself to like, feeling like you're up in the sky almost. So um, I do kind of remember that and really feeling like she was there with us that day. Oh, that's terrific. You mentioned this before, but you guys do move on to the next round where you lose to UNC, unfortunately. And like you said, you guys were emotionally spent. I can't even imagine. Yeah. But it must have been hard to end the season and your career, but – not only the fact that the season was ending, but just the, the fact that you guys wouldn't be together anymore, because I imagine you guys were that emotional support system. Yeah, um, it was. And like, where do you go from here, right? Um, like a lot of what we had planned. I mean, Caitlin, Yardley and I were planning 
to do a big trip together after we graduated. So it was just so much of like you're shaken to your core, right? Like everything you thought you knew, you kind of have to reevaluate. And then not only that, like you're moving on to a huge next step in your life. So it was definitely a challenging time um, and just weird emotions, right? Like, um, kind of all over the place. Um, so yeah, it was something we like had to get through. Um, and Kaylin and I really leaned on each other a lot. And of course it was, you know, important to stay close to, um, Yardley's mom and sister. I think that was super helpful as well as we all kind of went our separate ways and then had to figure life out from there. Yeah. And, you know, graduation day for college should be such a happy moment. And unfortunately for you, while I'm sure there was some happiness, I mean, it just, your friend had passed away just weeks before. So just such a bittersweet moment, I'm sure. Yeah. And obviously like nothing that you thought it would be. Right. So, It was, yeah, really bittersweet. Um, In some ways, it was like a way to hold on to her, I think, like still feel really close before like, you know, really not being at UVA anymore. And then it's like, oh my gosh, this is kind of reality now. Like she's really not here where, I don't know, like this new now we really have to figure out this new part of our lives and it's mm. without such a big piece of our life too. So it's definitely bittersweet and like sad and confusing and hard, but you know, also had a great four years. So I didn't want to lose sight of the memories that I had and especially the time that I had with Yardley and all that we had accomplished and done together. So yeah, it was, it was bittersweet, I guess, is the best way to put it. Yeah. Now, you've talked about One Love Foundation. Can can you sort of describe what it is and your involvement in it? Yeah. So um, I think, you know, right after everything happened, like, um, none of us really knew what what we were really going through. Um, and then in the years to come, um, sort of learned more about domestic violence and then what that meant and what it really was like, you know, growing up in, um, Baltimore and like, you know, upper middle class, like I thought, of, you don't ever really hear about domestic violence except for on the news or you think it happens like in the city or, you know, it doesn't happen in your community. Um, but I think what we started to learn and really spearheaded by Sharon here at Lee's mom is that there was so much more to domestic violence than what we really knew or what um, was this public perception of it. So, through that um, and kind of leaning on knowing that um, positivity and education and carrying Yardley's memory on 
in um, this bright light, positive way. Sharon and Lexi started One Love, not really knowing what it was going to be, but kind of knowing that they wanted to learn more about this domestic violence and how it's impacting um, people kind of across the country. So two years, I guess, after um, Yardley passed, the foundation was sort of, uh, might have been a little bit before that, but uh, sort of formed. And, you know, we learned so much about how really there's this national epidemic with domestic violence and that it really affected everyone in every community, um, all ages and how there's no education on it. Like Mm -hmm. nothing like, you know, when you you have sex ed or you learn about drunk driving, but you never learn about how to be in a healthy relationship. So, um, started super small, just in like this little office in Baltimore and, um, now it's grown to this national, foundation um, that's educated, I think, over a million students now. There's offices in New York, in Baltimore, in Texas, in Seattle, in California. Um, The CEO of the One Love Foundation now is Katie Hood, who she was the former CEO of Michael J. Fox Foundation. um, And she's really just, you know, put One Love on the map. Um, and I think she just believed so much in the message and she recognized, you know, how there was this gap in our education system about like how to be in a healthy relationship, not even like a romantic relationship, but from uh, the time that you're, you know, in elementary school and Sarah gets mad at Catherine because she's hanging out with Bridget Um, And how, you know, teaching us like the tools of what it means to be healthy and what it means to be unhealthy um, and kind of destigmatizing that word domestic violence, because I think, you know, we think of that as something that doesn't affect us or something Mm -hmm. that's in these lower income communities um, and reframing that and figuring out how we can connect with um, you know, young people and communities, not even all over the country, but all over the world. So they've done like some incredible work and it's so big now. And I like, I'm always amazed when I get their monthly newsletters by how much, how much they're doing and how it's grown from where it started. But, um, yeah, it's pretty impactful and it's cool to, to see Yardley's memory, living on in such a positive way and impacting, like really saving people's lives. So. Absolutely. And you're right. The growth has been phenomenal with the organization. I mean, I looked at it before this podcast because I had heard of it years ago and hadn't really looked at it since, but when I was on, I was like, Oh my God, it's so much more than it was in 2011. Yeah. It's insane. Um, I mean, I think like it was like four or five years ago, I was watching an NFL game and a commercial for One Love came on and I was like, oh my gosh, like wow. this is insane. Um, but like the Baltimore Ravens are big sponsors, the Seattle Seahawks. So it's really um, and crazy to think how much it's grown. But I think the message or the message behind it of, carrying Yardley's name on in a positive way 
um, and using education as a tool to do that has really like lived on. And even as it's grown, um, that still sort of remains the core of one love, which is really nice to see, I think. A hundred percent. And you've done a lot of work personally with it. So you should be really proud of yourself. Yeah. Um, of course you always feel like you, you can do more. Um, and really like Katie hood and Sharon love are the spearheaders of all of this. Um, but it's, it does make you feel good to be part of it. And of course helps, uh, us feel connected to yards in a way, which is nice as well. Oh, especially, you know, 10 years later. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Now, you graduated in 2010. Mm-hmm. Your coach, Julie Myers, has stayed on at UVA. She's been there for 25 years. Yeah, crazy. I know. How is your relationship with her? Do you still talk to her? Yeah, yeah. So we definitely text every now and then, and I was on a Zoom call with her not too long ago. Um, but, yeah, I've known Julie, like, since I think I was in seventh grade or eighth grade, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, still have a great relationship with her and try to follow, uh, what the lacrosse team is doing as much as possible. Obviously a little bit tricky now, but they've done, (laughs) they've done like some great alumni, um, reaching out during this and ways to keep us involved. So that's That's good. Yeah. Hopefully they'll be able to play a full season in 2021. We'll see. We'll see. Fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now you mentioned it's been about 10 years. Aside from your involvement in One Love, what else have you been up to since graduation? You obviously mentioned a travel company. Yeah. So after graduation, um, I started working at ESPN in probably like November. So right before Thanksgiving, um, I remember moving up to New York to work for ESPN and I think I had like $40 to my name <laughs> and luckily <laughs> my brother lived in New York. So I crashed with him for about a year. I don't know how had a couch to sleep. On. Yeah. I don't know how he put up with me for that long, um, <laughs> but he did thankfully. So yeah, I stayed at ESPN, um, for about probably a little over nine years, um, which was awesome. Have some great relationships from there. Great experiences, um, always, you know, loving sports. It was sort of my dream to work at ESPN. Um, and then I kind of felt like I had accomplished that and sort of wanted this new challenge. And I've always like had this, um, passion for travel and seeing the world and helping others travel. Um, so, I decided to leave last February and start my own um, travel planning company with uh, through I've affiliated with a larger travel agency called Brownell, which is actually the um, the oldest travel agency in the U.S. I think it wow. was founded in like 1887, which is crazy that they even had a travel agency back then. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I left my job at ESPN, I think like February 20th, went down to Birmingham, Alabama for training and then um, came back to New York like first week of March and ready to start my company. And then sort of, you know, coronavirus took control. Uh, 
so it's been crazy, but I'm still like, you know, so glad I did it. And I've learned so much in this past year and finally getting to the place where, um, I feel like I actually have a company and I'm excited for, you know, the future of what's to come and things can really only go up from, from here. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So it's been like a, a crazy year. We're also, so we relocated to Charleston, um, and we're expecting our first kid due February 21st. Yeah. So, Oh yeah. A lot of big changes in the past year, but, um, all good things. And wow. Yeah. (laughs) Oh man. That's awesome. Like you said, Odd time to start a travel business, but you didn't know COVID-19 was coming. However, you're right. It can only go up from here as the vaccine is coming out and people are getting vaccinated. Your company is going to do a great job, I'm sure. Yeah, um, I think so. I mean, I feel like super confident in it and my like ability to help people have to help people travel and like have these sort of life changing experiences, because I think that's kind of what travel is all about and why it's so important is just its ability to educate us and kind of shift our perspectives on life. So um, looking forward to the days where we can travel a little bit more freely. Um, but I think, I think it's coming soon and mm-hmm. I'm expecting a lot of bucket list trips um, that people are going to want to take and those far, far fledged places, I think are going to be a higher and higher priority for people to experience after this past, you know, year and <laughs> quarantine. It's crazy. It's almost been a year now, right? Yeah, I know. I mean, I might need to use you. I'm kind of going stir crazy in New Jersey. Yeah, right now. yeah I know. It's like, <laughs> Uh, hopefully there's, I think there's light at the end of the tunnel with the vaccines. So one can only hope. Yeah. Fingers crossed. (laughs) (laughs) Now you traveled abroad in Spain. You have a travel company since then between the two, have you traveled to many places? I have. Yeah. And I was fortunate. Well, so, and with the ESPN, um, I worked with the NBA, for a good portion. And before that, I worked um, with the NFL, MLB, and Little League World Series. But with each of those, like I was fortunate to travel a lot, um, either just to LA or Miami or Cleveland, unfortunately. Um, but <laughs> always, always sort of had my travel fix. And then um, I was really fortunate to get my boss to let me to do this, but, um, I went to South America for six weeks and actually worked in our Buenos Aires office, um, which was a crazy experience because no one spoke English. Wow. (laughs) Very rusty on my Spanish. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so I did that in 2018. I worked in the office for like two and a half weeks and then, um, traveled around, uh, Brazil and Argentina and Uruguay and Chile. So that was really cool. And I mean, I've always sort of had the travel bug. I think my family, like we never, like for Christmas growing up, we never really got a lot of gifts. We would always just go on a trip. Uh, so 
been fortunate to go to a bunch of places and luckily my husband puts up with me and like (laughs) traveling as well. So, um, yeah, we've gotten to go to some pretty cool places together. That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah. Katie, I've had so much fun on this podcast. I like to end the conversation with a couple fun questions. How does that sound? That sounds good. All right. You've mentioned that you've traveled to several places. What is the very best place you've been? Oh, that is tough. Um, (laughs) I guess I would say Sumba Island. Um, We went to this resort called uh, Niawatu, or now it's called Nihi Resort. Uh, And it's just like super isolated. I remember we it's in Indonesia. We landed on this Island and it's like, there's no electricity, there's no running water, there's no cars, but over a half a million people live there. Um, and they live in like, you know, these huts around built around a fireplace because fire is their source of energy and their source of cooking and everything. And I just remember being like so amazed that this is how like an entire community or entire country lives. Um, so that was really cool. I mean, it's this awesome resort on this famous surf break, this famous, uh, it's called Aki's Left. That's supposed to be like one of the best surf breaks in the world. Um, so it's the only kind of resort really like on the island. Now there's a few more, but when we went in 2017, it was the only one um, overlooking this overlooking the surf break and then they're really involved in the local community and you go to the local villages and um, learn about you know how uh, how to help the people there you help you give them food you um, learn about like what the resort is doing for um, their water sources and just improving their everyday life so it was more of like very immersive kind of experience and very eye-opening and one of those experiences that sort of broadens your perspectives on the world so I think that's that's definitely up there with one of the coolest places I've been yeah it sounds like a great trip wow yeah yeah it was it's far but it was worth it yeah (laughs) all right what tv show aside from southern charm are you currently binge watching gosh I'm pretty deep into Southern charm. So, um, (laughs) but I have been watching, especially being pregnant during all this, been watching a lot. Um, what else was I watching? I just watched something yesterday. I just watched a teacher. I didn't really like that. Yeah. It's a little dark. Yeah. It was a little, I watched that. I didn't like that. (laughs) Um, definitely more Southern charm. I'm, I've been very like, lighthearted with my shows recently like virgin river um okay what else did i watch i'm blanking that because i've okay. been obsessed with southern charm recently who is your favorite <laughs> character on southern charm um i like cameron mm-hmm. she's um, good and you know i like chef <laughs> chef i feel like you can't get mad at him because he's right? just like that like puppy dog you just can never get mad at him yeah and he just owns who he is so i appreciate that (laughs) so true craig is a little frustrating i agree craig is frustrating and especially where i am in uh season four right now (laughs) he's pretty frustrating so Uh, i i like naomi though his 
his girlfriend. Oh, she's great. Yes. Yeah. Also, Catherine and Thomas, drama for oh days. I appreciate them and who they are for the show. It's insane. I mean, I do feel sort of bad for Catherine. Tough situation she's been in. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah. You're in season four. The Catherine redemption story of season five is coming for you. Oh, gosh. Okay, I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last question. What professional sports teams do you root for? Oh, I'm a big Ravens fan. Oh, gotta be. Yeah. I interned for the Ravens one year, actually, um, and just always been a big fan. So that's that's my biggest team. Um, outside, I mean, I root for the Orioles, but they make it tough. <laughs> um, and then I, the NBA, I just am more a fan of the players. So yeah, I am a LeBron fan. I know that's okay. sort of. But... Ravens are my big team. So okay, all right, the game nice. weekend. I don't know. It's gonna be Yeah, right. We'll see. See. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Kitty, thank you so much for making time to come on the podcast. I, I especially appreciate it because we, we talked about some tough issues, but Yardley Love, phenomenal person and the One Love Foundation if and everyone needs to visit that website, donate. It's for a great cause. And, hey, you're going to be a mom in February. That's terrific. I know. Good luck with the rest of your pregnancy. You're almost there. I know. Almost there. Getting close. So, uh, well, thank you so much, Bridget. I appreciate you taking the time. And um, it was fun chatting with you. All right, everyone. That was my chat with Katie Whiteley-Connors. Hope you enjoyed it. Really interesting to hear about her great lacrosse career from playing for her dad in high school to going to UVA. I also really appreciate her talking about Yardley Love and the One Love Foundation. I know that's not easy, but One Love is a great cause. I encourage everyone to go to the website, learn more about it, and donate if you can. I'll be back soon to speak with another outstanding athlete.